everyone. My name is Kim, and I'm part of this incredible team here at Living Waters, and I'm on the teaching team, and we have a few of us that teach regularly here, so this is my week to, to share with you guys the message. Um, I just wanted to take a second and just say again, thank you guys so much for all your prayers and support and love for the Rodin family. Yesterday, we had uh, Jeff Rodin's um, uh, celebration of life here. And it was incredible, and I just know that Ryan and Kate and the family just feel your love and support, so thank you guys so much for that. You will start seeing them um, shortly. I know they're gonna start coming back around, um, so just keep continuing to pray for that family as they're still walking out uh, the grief of this huge loss that they had in their family. I love today, gosh, it's fall, and we get to wear like winter clothes in the morning and then we get to wear summer clothes in the afternoon. It's so incredible. I just, I, I enjoy Southern Oregon's uh, fall so much. But um, it's good to be with you guys today. Today we're gonna go into Acts 12. Last week Drew did Acts 11, or 10 and 11, because um, it's kind of a repeat of each other a little bit. So he covered 10 and 11, so I'm gonna pick up in 12. But before we get into ch uh, chapter 12 today, I just wanna cover the last section of 11, um, verses 19 through 30. So if you wanna turn there, um, you guys can. So last, last week, Drew had an incredible message that I really felt um, that we just all need to listen to. I feel like there was just a lot of encouragement for where we are today in our lives. And so if you did not get to hear that, um, I would just challenge you to, challenge you, I would challenge you. I would say, <laughs> go and check it out on our website or on our YouTube page, because um, it, was, it was really, really good. But we're gonna um, go to Acts 11, starting in verse 19 right now. And it says this, now those who had scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as, I cannot even say that word, something, in Cyprus and Antioch, uh, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So we've been in Acts for a while. We're in Acts 12 today, but we've been in Acts for a few months now and just slowly walking through this. And um, we know that the author of Acts is Luke. And right here, he's going back. So Drew just preached um, this whole message, but we're actually gonna go back a little bit before everything that he just preached last week. And he's talking about the time of persecution. And he's talking about when Stephen was killed, he was a martyr. And Ryan, I believe, preached about that um, a, a couple months ago. And so the gospel is being shared all over. It's getting spread, but there's persecution going on. But people are coming to know Jesus. They're coming to follow Jesus. And the church is starting to grow. And this is an intense time. It's super intense. If you know Jesus, you're under persecution. And so it's intense, but it's also exciting because it says a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So as a whole, the church is growing. And the church in Jerusalem gets wind of go, what's going on in Antioch. And so they send Barnabas to go and check out um, 
the, the church that all these new believers are in. And they're like, hey, we want you to go down there. We want you to go and encourage these new believers. We want you to go down there and teach them. And the reason why they picked Barnabas was because he was one of the best. He was kind. He was warm-hearted. He had Holy Spirit in him. So he was moved by the Spirit in all that he did. And they knew that he was the best one to choose to go down to Antioch to teach and so Barnabas, he was one of the disciples that um, he was around when Saul, I taught about Saul a couple months ago, or about, about a month ago, and Saul had this huge conversion. He was out killing anybody that was following the way. And so then he met Jesus, he met Holy Spirit, he met God on this way to Damascus, and his whole life changes. And it's an incredible transformation. He does a 180 and he then starts preaching about Jesus and people, the disciples were having a hard time with this because they're like, I don't know about this guy. Is he really true? Is this like his life really did change? But Barnabas was the guy that was like, you guys, God is up to something big. Something happened in this guy's life and we need to be walking with him. And so Barnabas took him under his wing and he taught him and he, he gave him space to go and teach as well what had happened to him. And so rightly so, Barnabas is like in Antioch, he's teaching these new believers and he remembers Saul. And he's like, I got to go find Saul. I got to get him here with me because he knows what these people are walking through. So I need him alongside me to teach them. So it says in Acts eleven twenty five, then Barnabas went to Taurus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians at first in Antioch. So I love this. I love that Barnabas just was like, I know the guy that I want to walk with right now. I know the guy that's going to get these people and he's going to teach them. And it says right there that this was the first time that the, the believers were called Christians. The first was in Antioch. So they had been called disciples in Acts 1. They had been called saints in Acts 9. They'd been called believers. They'd been called brothers. They'd been called witnesses. They'd been called followers of the way. And now they're being called Christians. And in Latin, the, the I-A-N at the end of Christian, that means party of, the party of. So a Christian was the party of Jesus. Christians are sort of like saying the Jesusites or the Jesus people. It's describing those that are associated with Jesus. So this is where we get our name of being called Christians. We're the party of Jesus. Who wants to be the party of Jesus? I want to be the party of Jesus. Yeah. So during this time, some prophets, okay, verse 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Abagus, Agabus stood up. And through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for their brothers and sisters in Judea. In Judea, whatever. I don't know how to say that. This, is, um, this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So the church of Antioch, it's getting stronger. They're growing in size, but they're also growing spiritually. And they're learning to follow Jesus. They're learning to hear what he has to say and to do what he's saying. 
And so then this prophet comes from Jerusalem and he shares a word of wisdom. That is one of the things that comes with Holy Spirit. I talk about the gifts of the Spirit all the time. A word of wisdom is something that we receive from Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit gives this guy a word of wisdom saying, hey, this is gonna happen. And it wasn't to be fearful, it was to prepare for it. It was to provide for those people that it was gonna hit. So they get this word that there's this famine, severe famine gonna happen. And so what do the Christians do? It says the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for brothers and sisters. So this is beautiful. This is a church community coming together and saying, this is what I have, and this is what I have, and I'm able to do this. And what does that remind you of? I think that it reminds me of what we did here last year out of this building right here. When there was fires close to us and all those people lost their homes, this church and this community was able to say, this is what I have. This is what I'm able to do. It was us being the church and loving on people that needed help in that moment. It was such a cool thing because we saw people bring things from their homes. We saw people go to the store and buy things. We saw people give time and energy towards this. It was a beautiful description of the church in the Acts times. It was taking care of those in need when they needed it. And I read in this commentary that as, uh, it says, as far as I know, this is the first charitable act of this nature in all recorded history. One race of people collecting money to help another people. No wonder they were the first called Christians in Antioch. See, it's something that Jesus would have done. It was something that, that Jesus would have done of taking care of these people. So as Christians, as Jesus people, as followers of him, they're saying, what are we gonna do, Jesus? Oh, this is what we're gonna do? Okay, we're gonna collect all these things and we're gonna go help these people. Christians were doing what Jesus would be doing here on earth and that's what we get to do. So now we go to Acts 12. And uh, it's still in a time of persecution. And we're going to talk about the, the life of Peter. And it says this in Acts 12, verse 1. It was about this time when King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for a public trial after the Passover. So King Herod, he was the king over Judea, and he observed the law of Moses, and he did all that he could to, you know, just please the Jews, the Jewish people. And what we know of the Jewish people is that they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they wanted to stop the gospel from being spread. So they're like, we've got to get rid of these people that are spreading the gospel. And so King Herod, he's like, well, I'm going to start with James. So it says that James, he was one of the disciples. He was one of the people, the guys that walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus when he was on the earth. He loved Jesus. They were close friends. And, and so it says that he was um, killed with a sword, meaning that he was actually beheaded. 
And James, you know, he was not the first Christian to die in the faithfulness of Jesus. Because Stephen, we read about Stephen, he was martyred in Acts uh, 7, we read about him. And certainly there were others. But the thing about James was it shattered the illusion, illusion that somehow the 12 disciples, the 12 enjoyed a unique divine protection. See, Jesus never said that. It says that Jesus promised them no special protect, protection to the closest followers, but he warned them to be ready for persecution in Matthew 10. So it says that, that James was put to death by a sword, meaning he was beheaded. So clearly King Herod was intentional on what he was doing. He wasn't just killing, he was actually beheading somebody. This is a big deal. This isn't like some small killing. And because it pleased the Jews so much, he was now going after the big dog, Peter. See, Peter was the leader. He was the spokesperson for the disciples. He, everybody knew who Peter was. And so King Herod's like, oh, you liked that Jewish people? Here we go. I got Peter with me now. And so Peter is known as this leader and everybody's like, oh my goodness, Peter is now taken into prison because he was most likely he was in Jerusalem for this festival. And so he was not only just put into prison, but it was like a maximum security prison prison. It says that there were four squads of four soldiers. That's 16 guys on one guy. 16 guys on one guy is a lot in my opinion. I don't, I'm just like, wow. They had to have like really known that they had to get this guy, right? See, I'm wondering why Herod did this because one guy, seriously, you can take one guy. But in Acts 5, some disciples were in prison and an angel busted them out. And so you know that Herod knows about this. I don't know that he believed that it was an angel, but somehow these disciples, they got busted out of prison. So he's like, not under my watch. I've got the leader. So I need all these guys to come in here and to take watch of him so that I can get him killed. And it says in verse five, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him, to God for him. See, here's the thing is, is these, the church didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to bust him out of prison. They didn't know what steps they could take. They had no idea. They were at a loss. They They had to have tried to figure out like, okay, so there's an iron gate around the prison. Like we've got to figure something out to get him in there. Like how can we get in there? But there's no way that they can come up with that they can bust him out of prison. But they knew the one that could and they sought him in prayer. When there is no other thing to do, when all the doors are shut and you aren't sure what steps to take, it is so important that you are seeking the Lord and that you are praying and that you are getting direction from him. I think we should be doing that at all times, but come on, when we're at a loss, I don't know how people do it. I've said this so many times. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. We have the God of the universe in us. Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And so we should be praying and saying, this looks like a dead end. This looks like a door that's shut. I have no idea what to do here, but I know you do. And I want to listen to what you have to say. I can imagine that the church was feeling pretty hopeless at this time. 
because they had just heard that James had been beheaded, James being one of the 12, and now they've got Peter. So this had be a little terrifying and a little hopeless, yet they turned their hearts to Jesus and they prayed, believing that he was the only one that could change the situation. So then it says this in verse six, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared and the light shone in the cell and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off the wrists. So I'm just gonna paint this picture for you real quick. Peter is laying down in a cell with one guard chained to this arm, one guard chained to, to this guard. There's other guards that are guarding that cell. There's other guards outside of that. There's other guards outside of that. Then there's other guards that are outside of that where there's an iron gate that's around this prison. Like this is a maximum security prison. There are 16 guys paying full attention to what is going on with this one dude. And Peter sleeps. He sleeps. You guys, I don't sleep sometimes when I know I just am coming here to preach. Right? Like, this guy is at the end of his life is what it looks like. He is getting ready to be killed the next day. One of his best friends was just beheaded for what he's doing. And he sleeps. Talk about having faith in Jesus in that moment. There was no anxiety. There was no fear. No thoughts running through his head. What is that like? Seriously, my head is running constantly. Even when I sleep at night, I wake up with thoughts going on. Like, that is a crazy, crazy thing that this guy does. He has no anxiety. He just sleeps. And it's a lot like David in the Old Testament when he says in Psalm 3, verse 5, I, I lay down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. See, David, his son was trying to kill him, and David lays down to sleep knowing that the Lord sustains him, meaning he gives him support and relief. So David was a man after God's heart. That's what we know about David. And he knew, just like Peter, that God was going to give him support and relief. He didn't know how. Peter didn't know how. But he laid down to sleep, trusting and just believing that God was going to show up. To know Jesus and to know that he is going to show up for you is a big deal. See, and in, um, you can read in John 21 verse 18, John had a, or, uh, Peter had a conversation with Jesus and it was a prophecy about his life. So he was trusting even what Jesus said. And he's like, there's no way that my life is going to end right now because what Jesus said to me is, hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to trust that he's going to show up and he's going to come through for me because I'm going to take him at his word. I think that many of us need to hear the Lord about what he says about our life and of the plans that he has for us. And we need to stand on those in full faith, just like Peter did, knowing that God knows exactly what's happening and that we can trust him even when it doesn't look like it. Anxiety and fear do not come from God. So no matter what it is that's going on, if that's what's keeping you up at night, if you're riddled with fear and anxiety, the Lord wants to meet you in that place. 
He wants to set you free of that. That is not his design for your life. That is totally the enemy attacking you. Verse 7 says, Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and your sandals. So Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, and the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing and was, what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent the angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. See, Peter's so asleep that the angel had to strike him to wake him up. And then the angel had to give him instructions of what to do. Hey, dude, you need to put on your clothes. Now you need to put on your shoes. Now you need to wrap this cloak around you. Okay, now let's go. Let's follow me. Like Peter had no idea what was going on, but he knew that this was God. And so he started following instructions. He was being obedient and following the angel. And then he started passing the guards and then he got to the iron gate and it automatically opened for him. See, this iron gate does not automatically open. It was not the century that we're living in right now. There's no button, there's no sensing that someone's coming up and so the gate opens for him. No, it takes guys to open this gate. It is a heavy gate and the only way that it opens is if there are guys there, but there was no guys there. There was no one there. I mean, the guards were there, but they weren't with it. They were asleep or something. It doesn't say exactly what's going on, but they passed through this gate that automatically opened. This is a miracle right before Peter's eyes. And he really, he thought he was in a vision. He's like, this is a really cool vision. And then all of a sudden he's out on this road and he's like, wait a second, this isn't a vision. God just set me free. And this angel is gone. It's crazy. God always wants to lead us into freedom. He always wants to remove the chains that bind us and the barriers that keep us, keep us locked up and set us free. And I got this picture as I was preparing this message of someone laying on a prison floor, chained to addiction, chained to anxiety and depression, chained to old ways of thinking and old ways of living, chained to a lifestyle or a belief, or even chained to religion. See, whatever it is that you're chained to or whatever it is that someone that you love is chained to, it seems like there's no way out. I don't know if you know of somebody like that where you're just like, their life, I don't know. Like they are so chained to these things. There's no way out. It seems maybe a little hopeless. But even if the chains are loosed and there are, our guards that are gone, the iron gate still has to be opened as well. And it can seem hopeless and discouraging and it can maybe even seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord wants us all set free. Just as Peter was set free, Jesus wants to set us all free. He wants to set that person free that you know that you're thinking about right now. 
So as you are trusting the Lord, I would just challenge you to keep praying and believing that God can do anything. Just like he set Peter free from all of these guards, from this iron gate that's holding him back, this did not stop God and he will not stop moving in people's lives. He will not stop answering our prayers. He will not stop bringing people back to him. He won't stop. He wants to see all of us set free and living the life that we are called to live. And see, Peter took steps of obedience. He followed the leading of the angel because he knew this was God, something was going on. And he wanted to follow and to see what God was doing. And he walked past all the guards and the huge iron gate because he knew that God was telling him, this way, let's go. Walking into freedom that Christ has for us is taking steps of obedience and following the lead of the Lord. He will always lead you into freedom that he has for you. We just get to follow him and we get to pray that people will hear him and follow him as well. So Peter keeps walking and the angel is suddenly gone. So now what? Verse 12, it says, when, he had, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked on the outer entrance and the servant named Rada came to answer the door. And she recognized Peter's voice and she was overjoyed and she ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. It cracks me up. See, Peter comes to the door and this girl, she's like, before she even lets him in, she just runs back to tell everybody. Like, come on, you can just, you can let him in and let him tell everybody. But she's so excited that she leaves him at the door and so he just keeps knocking. Like, hey, I'm still here. And the crazy thing is, is they don't believe her. They're like, there's no way. They had been praying and praying and praying for a miracle. And then God does something completely out of what they're thinking that he could do. And he, he sets Peter free and they're like, there's no way, it's not him. It has to be his angel. It says in verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her, when she kept insisting that it was so. And they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking on the door. And when it opened, the door, they saw him and they were astonished. And Peter motioned his hand for them to be quiet and describe how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. How often do we pray for something and God does something completely crazy that we can't wrap our minds around and we're like, I don't know if he did that. I, I, I don't know, I can't wrap my mind around that. There's no way, I, I just don't believe it until we actually see it with our eyes and are like, oh my goodness, he did that. See, we will never know how or what God is up to, but we do know that he can do the impossible. It's his specialty. He loves to astonish us. He loves to do the crazy, the things that we don't think about. And it's totally okay to be shocked and in awe about this. Sometimes it does take a while to, to wrap our minds around these miracles that he's doing. But the best part of witnessing a miracle is to share the miracle with others so that their faith increases. It's the best thing that we get to do. We get to see Jesus show up and then we get to share it with others and increase others' faith as well. Peter knew that he had to get out of there before he was captured again. So he told them about the miracle, thanked them for praying, and then he was on their way on his way. See, he knew that God was going to show up. That's how he slept that night. 
He knew and he just didn't know what it was gonna be like. He trusted God completely. He was confident in God, confident in his relationship with him and what he was hearing. And he knew that God would come through for him. And like I said, we get to put our full trust and faith in the Lord. There's no need for us to ever miss sleep, ever. There's no need for us to be fearful or have anxiety. It's not from God. What we get to do is we get to focus our eyes on the Lord and be in step with Holy Spirit and watch him move on our behalf. It says in verse 18, in the morning there was a, no small commotion among the soldiers as what had happened or become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered them all to be executed. See, this is, a, this is a lot of story. This is a lot of stuff that's going on here. And, you know, Drew, he told you guys last week, it's so important that we are all digging in to Acts and letting Holy Spirit speak to us. Like, don't just get taught up here. There was something that happened in me this week. Just, I mean, it's the craziest week. We've had so much going on around here. And yet I got to sit with the Lord and I was reading some commentaries and I was digging into scripture. And I was like, man, God, this is crazy scripture. And he was like, I have something for you out of this. And he taught me a lot. And so I would just say to you, get in the word. On a regular basis, hear from him. Go in and figure out what the context is. Go in and figure out what it's saying. But see, we're digging into a, a deeper part of Acts right now. And what I felt on my heart that the Lord was saying through all of this is, follow me. No matter what, follow me. Listen to my voice. Holy Spirit is in you. When you accept Jesus into your life and you call him your savior, you have Holy Spirit, the fullness of Holy Spirit in you. And he wants you to take everything that he says and step out in obedience. And I promise you, as you do, you are going to see crazy miracles just like what Peter saw. Peter's an ordinary dude. He wasn't some special guy that had some special powers. Jesus didn't love him more than he loves all of us. He just was so obedient, so trusting of who he knew God was. And because of it, God showed up and he walked out in obedience and he saw a miracle. And then he started telling everybody, this is what Jesus did for me. We are gonna face so many things in life and it may not be persecution like the Christians were feeling then, it might be, I don't know. But they were losing their lives around them that people were dying, but they were so focused on the Lord and they knew who to go to at all times. So we may face hard things and crazy things, but we get to trust in the Lord and know that he's gonna show up for us every single time. And I wish right now I could tell you of the miracles that are taking place in my own family. Maybe someday I'll be able to. But I, you guys, for years, there have been some major, major things that some of my family members have been chained to. There have been some major iron, you know, walls that we're like, there's no way that's gonna open. And we have been praying for miracles. And even just in the last like two, three weeks, I am watching chains fall off of people that I love. I am watching these iron gates open up and people in my family are getting set free. 
It can happen. I'm telling you, it's the, it's the farthest thing that we would ever think for our family members, yet God is doing it. And someday I really hope I can tell you all that story, but it's incredible. So whatever you're facing, maybe it's you personally, or whatever someone in your family is facing or one of your friends is facing, it's not too far off for God to meet them. It is not too far off for them to be set free from addiction, set free from fear and anxiety, set free from lifestyle and choice that they're making. He can do it, but we have to be the ones that are seeking the Lord and praying and walking out in obedience and watching him do it. I have been walking in obedience with this family member for so long and saying, I don't know if I'll ever see this happen. And God has been setting this person free. And so I am just, I'm telling you guys, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying and seeking the Lord. Don't let circumstances in front of you cause you to lose sleep or to cause you to be hopeless in that situation. Nothing is hopeless to the Lord. At the end of Acts 12, it says this on verse 21. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And they shouted, this is, he shouted, they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not a man. And immediately Herod did not give praise to God. And an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. So disgusting. In verse 24, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Where the enemy wants to stop the spreading of the gospel, the Lord was like, that's not going to happen. That's not gonna happen. Nothing was gonna stop him from spreading the word of who he was and inviting people into relationship with him. Such a cool story. There's so much more that we could probably get out of that. But I just, I want you guys to just really examine your own life and saying, God, is there anything that's holding me back from believing that you can do the impossible? Is there anything that's holding me back from fully walking in that freedom that you have for me? See, it's available to all of us. So is there something that I'm chained to? Is there something in front of me that I just can't get past? You might have been trying to kick down that wall that's in front of you for a really long time, but I promise you, you're probably not gonna be able to do it on your own. He's the one that's gonna open that automatically for you as you trust him and as you follow his instruction of what he's telling you to do every day. So don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on those that you love. Will you guys stand with me? I'm gonna close this out in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We love you so much. And we're so thankful that we get to have a relationship with you, the God of the universe that can do all things. Nothing stands in your way. And so God, if there is anything right now that we're seeing, this stands in my way and I don't know how to get past this. I would just pray God that you would be meeting with that person right now, that they would hear your voice and that they would follow your lead as you're leading them into freedom, just like you led Peter into freedom that day. I pray for encounters with you, Holy Spirit, where they didn't see it coming, but they know your presence and they hear your voice and they see the freedom that you have been giving them. I pray for those that we are having a heart for that are still stuck, 
and it seems hopeless or it seems like it's, it's not gonna happen. I pray, God, that you would just grieve our hearts for them and that we would be on our knees seeking you and trusting you with their life. Let our lives be an example of who you are and let them see the light and want that, Jesus. We wanna see our family members and our friends set free. We wanna see them coming to know you. So if there's anything that is in the way, Jesus, I pray that you would just show us what to do. Show us what steps to take and just seek you as we are listening and trusting you with their life, with our own life. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for what you are doing in this valley. We thank you for the miracles that we are seeing every single day. I pray that testimony of your goodness would be spread throughout this valley as we walk into this week. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week.